Welcome to the New to Jesus podcast, where we find foundational truths to help you take your first steps in your walk with Christ. Hey, this is Dan Bergman. Welcome back to the New to Jesus podcast. In this episode, we're going to be finishing our study through the book of Galatians. In our last episode, we finished chapter 5. And Paul ends off chapter 5 of the book of Galatians talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In verse number 22 of chapter 5, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul is writing this letter to the churches in the area of Galatia. And he's ending off this letter by starting to give them just some practical advice for day-to-day living in the Christian life. And he says in verse 1 of chapter number 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, meaning if there's a guy that, that messed up, He did something wrong. He says, Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How does this apply to us? Well, say you have a friend, somebody in church, somebody you know, somebody that's another believer, and yet they're overtaken in a fault. Something happens, they're guilty of something, they messed something up, um, maybe they fell into sin. Okay, we're supposed to seek restoration for that person, if at all possible. And so the Bible is telling us, the Apostle Paul is telling us, if you are a spiritual person, if you are one who, like we just read in chapter 5, one who is walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and so on, you are the one that should be restoring that person trying to get them to come back into a right relationship with God and into a right relationship with other believers. We're not supposed to be their judge, jury, and executioner, okay? We're supposed to be the one to try and lift them back up, to restore that person. In the spirit of meekness, it says. Meekness is strength under control, humility, okay? And so we're supposed to be humble, recognizing that, as it says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Realizing that if it wasn't but for the grace of God, we could very easily be in that same exact situation as that other brother. Continuing on in that same thought, in verse number two, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is interesting that he brings up the word law. Because throughout the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is trying to combat this false gospel, saying that you need to keep the law in order to be saved or to stay saved, or that you need Jesus plus the law. Paul is dispelling that and saying that it's a false gospel. But then he refers in verse number 2 of chapter number 6, he refers to bearing one another's burdens as fulfilling the law of Christ, the law of Messiah. What does this mean? Well, just as Jesus said in the Gospels that all the law and the prophets can be summed up as thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
Jesus said all of the law can be summed up in those two commandments. And here Paul is saying the law of Christ, okay? We're not under the Mosaic law anymore. It was taken out of the way, nailed to his cross, the Bible says. What are we supposed to do then? Well, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit And we're supposed to fulfill the law of Christ, meaning bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. We're not doing this to obtain favor with God or to earn grace or to become accepted in God's sight. We're already accepted because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The moment you got saved, you obtained Christ's righteousness through no merit of your own, but simply because you were receiving the gift of God and that the righteousness of Jesus himself was imputed to you. And then it says, For if a man think himself to be something, verse number three of chapter six of Galatians, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Tying back to the idea of we need to be humble. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction and haughty spirit before destruction a fall. And so we need to remain humble, especially when we're bearing one another's burdens, when we're trying to fulfill the law of Christ by loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. We need to remain humble. Then it says, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. There's an interesting paradox we're going to see in this passage. But as believers, we're supposed to prove or test or examine our own work. The things that we're doing for the Lord, we should examine those things to see whether they're out of a right motive for the love of Christ. Not relying on somebody else to give us approval, okay? And then it says, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Meaning we're supposed to examine ourselves. Okay, day by day by day, to see if we're walking in the Spirit, to see if we're fulfilling the love of Christ. It's not about being circumcised. It's not about keeping kosher or all of these other things. It's about loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbor as ourself. Then he says in verse number five, a thought that seems to kind of contradict what we just read in verse number two. Verse number five, he says, for every man shall bear his own burden. I thought it just said in verse number two, to bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The idea is you're not looking to others to bear your burden for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The things that you're dealing with, you're not going to try and put them off on another person. You're going to bear those yourself. Now, if other believers are fulfilling this passage they're going to want to bear that burden for you. Do you see what I'm saying? Our concern, according to this passage, both of those verses combined, our concern should be to bear our own burdens along with the burdens of others. And if everybody does that, guess what? People are going to be bearing each other's burdens all over the place, caring for one another, loving our neighbor as ourself. You see how it makes sense? Then in verse number six, it says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good 
things. If we are well-versed in the Word of God, trained in the Word of God, if we've studied the Scriptures, we should be able to effectively communicate that to others. And then it says in verse number 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, when it's speaking about sowing, it's like planting a seed. This was an agricultural society. And so God is not going to be mocked. Whatever a man plants in the ground, okay, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That shall he also harvest. If you put in a a sunflower seed in the ground, you're not going to get a tomato plant. Do you understand? What you sow is what you will reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Just as we talked about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit at the end of chapter 5. Those that sow to the flesh shall reap of the flesh. Meaning, if you're constantly living in sin, if you're doing all of these things that are described as the works of the flesh in the end of chapter 5 of Galatians, you're going to reap of the flesh corruption. You're going to have all kinds of consequences for all of those things, including spiritual consequences. Not being separated from God, okay? Not losing your salvation. But you will have spiritual consequences of having your fellowship with the Lord stifled, having a lack of peace, having a lack of joy, having a lack of answered prayer, having a lack of blessing, and you're also going to incur upon yourself God's discipline, his correction. The Bible says he corrects his children, just as a father disciplines his sons. All of those things are going to be brought upon us as corruption, quote-unquote, if we continually reap to the flesh. There's believers that I know that are right with God, okay? They love him like crazy. And they're walking in the Spirit, but they are still reaping the consequences of a time past when they lived in sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sowing to our flesh shall cause us to reap of the flesh corruption. But contrarywise, he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And you got to understand what life is. I talked about this in our series through the book of John. The Hebrew idea of life, chai, is more than just being alive. It's more than just having a pulse. Life in the Bible is associated with everything that comes from the fullness of blessing associated with God's presence. That's why the Lord could tell Adam and Eve that the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. They didn't keel over dead the minute that they bit from that fruit, but they died spiritually. Instantaneously, they died spiritually when they ate of that tree. And so they lost the connection to the life giver. The fullness of blessing being associated with the presence of God was all of a sudden gone. And that's why when we have that connection to God restored through the new birth, being born again, when we trust Jesus as our Savior, repenting of our sin, 
The Bible says that we would become a new creature, that we are born from above, that we are born from the Spirit, that old things are passed away and that all things are become new. And now at that very moment, our everlasting life begins that we can have for eternity. And so as you sow to the Spirit, meaning as you yield to the Spirit of God, as you live for the Spirit of God, as you walk in the Spirit of God, the Bible says that you will be reaping eventually everlasting life. That doesn't mean that we earn our salvation. That doesn't mean that we earn everlasting life through walking in the Spirit. It just means that we are going to experience it. You see, if you're a believer and you're living in sin, you're not experiencing that life. It doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation, but it means that you're not experiencing the fullness of blessing associated with God's presence. And so if you're walking in the Spirit day by day, you're going to get to experience that eternal life right now. Right now. And as we go into eternity, okay, in the eternal state commonly referred to as heaven, okay, when we're in God's presence for all eternity, the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to get to experience that life, that fullness of blessing of God's presence for eternity. And as believers here and now, as we walk in the Spirit, as we sow to the Spirit, so to speak, we will be garnering for ourselves future rewards that we will be able to cast at Jesus' feet. And as all of these different parables that Jesus spoke about, about stewardship, okay, being a caretaker of what God has placed in your hands, he says that in the life to come, in the world to come, meaning in eternity with God, we will be able to experience the blessings and the, the reapings that we sowed in this life as we walked in the Spirit and lived in the Spirit. And then he says in verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Okay, Don't get discouraged as you're trying to do this, as you're trying to live for the Lord, as you're trying to walk in the Spirit and you're running into all kinds of obstacles because we have an enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, the Bible says. Satan is our adversary. He's our enemy. He hates you. And so he's not going to let you go easily. And so as we're going through this life trying to live for the Lord, there's going to be times where we're going to get weary, where we're going to feel like giving up, when we're going to be tempted to just backslide or go into sin or whatever it might be that Satan is tempting us to do, there's going to be times where we're weary with that. And he says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. He's saying that there's a reward coming. There's a finish line. Keep at it. Don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't faint, because if you keep going, you will reap the benefits of walking in the Spirit. Verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Believers should have the testimony of being good people to everybody, being kind and helpful to everybody and especially to other 
believers. We should not have the, the, the stigma or the stereotype or uh, just the outlook upon us that we as believers are not good people. We should not have that testimony. We should have the testimony of we are those who are kind and helpful to all people. That should be the testimony that we hold as believers in Christ. And then he says in verse number 11, as he begins winding down the end of the book of Galatians, he says, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hand. This was a big deal. Paul talks about having a thorn in the flesh, which many people assume has to do with his eyesight. He talks about elsewhere in scripture, hinting at this fact that his thorn of the flesh, his infirmity that he dealt with, that was difficult for him, was most likely his eyesight. And so he's making a big deal at the end of the book of Galatians saying, I wrote this to you with my own hand. There's other letters in Paul's epistles that he had to have help writing, that he dictated the words to, to have somebody write down for him. But the book of Galatians, we're told he wrote with his own hand. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, okay, to show off, they constrain you to be circumcised. They try and compel you to get back under the law, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. You see, they don't want to be persecuted, these false teachers. They don't want to suffer. And so they're trying to get you to do what makes them look good. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Now keep in mind, Paul is talking to an audience of mostly Gentile believers in the area of Galatia. As we said before in previous episodes, there were false teachers who had crept in trying to get these believers, these Gentile believers, to come back under the law, trying to get them to follow the law of Moses in order to be saved, in order to stay saved, in order to be right with God. And this was such a problem that Paul was compelled to write a letter dispelling and combating these false teachings. And he says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. These false teachers were trying to pridefully and arrogantly garner followers unto their false teachings. And Paul says, God forbid that I should glory in anything except for the cross of Jesus. Then he says in verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, circumcision doesn't benefit anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Whether you're circumcised or not, it makes no difference in regards to your salvation, to your relationship with God, and so on. But what does matter is that you're a new creature, that you've been born again by the Spirit of God through receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then he says in verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them. Okay? As many as follow this teaching of circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter, but being born again is what matters. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and mercy 
and upon the Israel of God. This is interesting. What Paul is saying here is he is asking for peace and mercy upon those that follow this rule, those that are born again. But he says also upon the Israel of God. This is not the church. Okay, nowhere, nowhere in this entire passage does it even hint that he's talking about the church when he says the Israel of God. This is a designation aside from those who have trusted Jesus as their Savior. There is a false teaching going around that the church, that believers, are the new Israel, that we replace Israel. Um, but the scripture is, is very clear. That is not true. The scripture is very clear. The church... The body of Christ made up of born-again Gentiles and born-again Jews is separate and distinct from Israel. And that's another discussion for another time. But he says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I have experienced the persecution that comes from preaching the true gospel. And then he closes with this, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And this is unto the Galatians written from Rome. Don't let yourself be deceived by a false gospel that teaches works plus faith. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by keeping the law. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And believing that the law has something to do with your salvation, according to Paul, is a false gospel. And it's not just a a, a small deal. It is serious. Because what was being preached in the area of Galatia by these false teachers is also being preached today. In religions like Mormonism or the Seventh-day Adventists, or Catholicism. And these teachings are all over TikTok and Instagram. Don't let yourself be deceived into being entangled again into the yoke of bondage of putting yourself back under the law. I hope this series through the book of Galatians has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me to go through it. These are things that a new believer, as well as a seasoned believer, need to know about and be aware of and to be able to dispel false teachings and false gospels. I'm not exactly sure where we're going to go next in our next verse-by-verse study through a book of the Bible. I'm leaning towards the book of Genesis, but we'll just have to wait and see. God bless you and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to the New to Jesus podcast. You can go to our website, newtojesus.com. That's new, the number two, jesus.com. If you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at danielbergman99. And if you'd like to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that helps us to get in front of more people to help them take their first steps as new believers in Jesus.